Last week, I did a, uh, a half a day in Santa Monica. I did a morning, and the title is The Joy of Letting Go. And because I've, I've, I've taken, um, done the Awakening Joy um, course and have been working in it, it's like everything I, is the joy of everything. <laughs> it's like all my class titles are the joy of. So today I want to talk about the joy, joy of being. But when I was thinking about this after, you know, the talking about letting go, which is really the core Buddhist teaching. You know, if, if clinging is suffering, what do you do? You let go. That's, that's the core Buddhist teaching. It's like, see where you're stuck, see where you're clinging, see where you're holding on, what do you, what do you need, what do you desire, what do you obsess about, and just let it go. Because it's the cessation of that clinging that is, allows us to move towards uh, liberation. Not holding on to our ideas, our fixed ideas, our, our ideas about how the way things should be, the way we should be, the way you should see us, the way I should see you, um, all of those things. We just have to let go. That's really the bottom line. And you know the famous quote from Ajahn Shah, let go a little, get, let, you know, get a little piece, and let go completely and have complete freedom. That's really what it is. But the question then becomes, okay, when you have let go, what's that like? And that's where I think this teaching about just being comes in, really cultivating the experience of what's it like when you let go? What does it feel like? What are you, what are you moving towards? Um, how does that support your freedom? How does that support your liberation, that, that place of just being, without leaning in one direction or another. And there's a phrase from The Year to Live that I love. There's, a, there's a, a practice that he does, and it's called rest in being. I really like that idea, where you just rest in being where you are. You know that phrase, there's nowhere to go, there's nothing to do, there's no one to be? That's resting right here. That's resting with what's present. Be here now. You know, Ram Dass's famous book from the 70s that I've yet to read, but the title is really, you know, just be here now. Be here now. And how easy is that? Not easy at all. Not easy at all. <laughs> yeah, it's not very easy. You go, oh, let go and be. Uh, it's not so easy. So it's not. So what we want to do is that's what this that's what I'm doing when I'm practicing, that's what I'm doing when I'm looking at these teachings and going, oh, this is this is what they're talking about, and really diving more and more and more into them, getting there's a subtlety, subtlety to these teachings. You know, when we come to it, it's a real um, it's like I think with any teaching, anything we learn, we learn the gross outlines of it, and then the more we practice, the more we study, the more we experience, we get um, get uh, more granular. We see the, the finer, finer, finer points of it, and I think that's what you know. This, what is it like to just be? It's not, and it's. Um, I went, I went up to the Owens Valley this weekend, which is the Eastern Sierra, which is one of my favorite places in the world. 
and we um, there's a river, the Owens River, which is a really, for the most part, a really lazy river. There's no rapids or anything. That's where L.A. takes the water from there and uh, becomes the L.A. Aqueduct. So we we inner tube on that years. People people tube it all the time, and and the first several years. You'd, you know, there'd be a curve in the river, or there'd be, you know, some snags or something, and you'd spend all your energy to try and paddle with your arms and kick your legs to get around it. And the instruction, the people who'd been doing that a lot longer than me would just go, just let go and let the, let the flow take you, let the current take you. The current automatically goes around those snags in the river. Every once in a while you get stuck in a little dead space, but for the most part, you don't have to struggle so much. Just be, and just, so that's, that's really what we're, we're moving towards. And Rick Hansen, who many of you have heard me talk about numerous times, the, uh, the neuropsych, evolutionary neuropsychologist, says, and this is Awakening Joy, the book by James Barris, he says, Rick Hansen says, when you are not hungry or threatened or in pain, when all those basic needs are met, when you're, when, you, when you're not hungry or threatened or in pain, your brain's natural state has these five characteristics. It's conscious, it's calm, it's contented, it's caring, and it's creative. So there's this sense of ease that's natural when you're not threatened or in pain or hungry or thinking about being hungry or threatened or in pain. Because a lot of the time, we're not threatened. We're not in pain, but we have conjured up fear about it. What about tomorrow? What about next week? What if the big one hits? You know, um, all those questions that the, the Caltech people get asked over and over again by the reporters. Is this a foreshock? How will we know? What will happen? Blah, blah, blah. We get stuck in tomorrow. We get stuck in yesterday. And we, the brain doesn't know the difference between what's really happening or what we're creating. The reaction, the response is the same. So this is the invitation to let go. If you're fed, if you're, if you're safe, you know, if you're, if you're not in pain, there's calm, there's creativity, there's contentment. That's what the Buddha's talking about. You know, that's, what, that's a quote from Buddha's brain. So it's especially difficult as well because we live in this culture of more and striving and achieving. You know, people who are content with where they are, there's, there's sometimes this sense of, well, what's wrong with them? You know, what's wrong? How come they don't want to go for a promotion? You know, there's this book, I think it was the 60s or 70s, called The Peter Principle. I don't know if you, you remember that one, yeah. Um, where people get promoted beyond their capabilities. You know, the, you, you're really good and you keep getting promoted until the point you get promoted beyond, you can't perform anymore because you've been promoted out of your, your, your uh, what you can actually perform. And so some people recognize that or some people have no desire to move any, anywhere else, you know. Um, in our culture now, I mean, used to be, high schools and colleges that well there was shop there was all kinds of stuff that wasn't academic and now that's kind of all disappeared now it's you have to go to college you have to go to college and it's like 
but not everybody is suited for college, not everybody's interested in going down that road. So we live in a culture that tells us more, strive, achieve, better, over here, over there, whatever. And, and if you're not driven, let's, you know, there must be something wrong. What are you hiding? Are you afraid? Just, you know, maybe you're smoking too much pot and you have no more energy or something. I don't know. But there's all these questions. So this is really going against the brain. This is really going, you know what? I'm just going to learn to practice letting go. And by that, it's about stopping and being with what is. And in the Buddhist teaching, in his story of the Enlightenment, he remembers a time when he was a young, a, a young boy watching his father. And I think there was some ritual thing or there was some, some stuff going on and the Buddha was sitting off, or Siddhartha Gautama was sitting off to the side watching this and he was totally in the moment. He was absolutely paying attention to what was happening, just really being with the experience. And he remembered that at his enlightenment and said, that's, that's where we want to be. Just being rather than doing. And I had a friend who always used to say that be a human being, not a human doing, which we tend to be as well. We tend to be human beings, especially now. Oh gosh, I wish I could remember. Oh, there was an, I don't remember how I heard about it, but there's an article, or I heard about it, or I read about it. Microtasking. Have you heard about microtasking? It's, it's where you have 10 minutes. And so you need to get some, figure out something that you can achieve and get done in that 10 minutes instead of just being for 10 minutes. So now there's this, you can't even have a little bit of downtime. You have to microtask. And it's like, yeah, no. And so with our devices too. And back in the olden days, there was answering machines or letters that you wrote. And so everything has just sped up. So we're, we're, we're absolutely... Um, in this place that letting go and checking out is much more difficult. So the mind moves along with that. So stopping the mind can be even more challenging. So the Buddha said, no, you need to let go, you need to be. And I bet each of you can think of, or think of a time when you were just actually in the moment. Can you, I hope? Just when you were just like, athletes call it in the zone. You know, I, I took a tap dance class this morning because I've always been intrigued with tap dancing. And I saw recently Gene Kelly doing, I think, the, the Singing in the Rain. And I went, I should take tap dancing. And so I actually took a tap dance. And she's like, your brain will not do you any good in this. You need to let stop thinking and just experience. And I guess that's choreography. That's the, I'm not a dancer. I, I don't ever claim to be anything like that. So learning to turn off my head and thinking about it was what I had to practice that today. And I'm not there yet. I'm still trying to think about all the different steps and where the feet move and this. But that's where you want to go. You want to just be in the zone, be in the experience. And I remember a few years ago getting ready to go overseas for a couple of months and running and going and doing. And I went out in the backyard and the cats were just playing in the backyard. And I just stopped. 
And I just sat and I watched them play, chasing butterflies and stuff. And I was in the moment and I went, I wasn't worried about all the stuff I had to get done, that I wasn't going to get done. I was in the moment. And it was such a profound experience. I mean, I still remember the quality of that experience of just being, where everything has just Because it's not easy, we practice. That's what we're doing when we sit. That's what we're doing when we meditate. Meditate. We practice letting go. We practice stopping the mind. We practice recognizing when we're not present. We recognize when we are caught up in figuring things out. There's this, um, and we recognize it, and we learn to just be which a lot of people just are not interested in because when you quiet the mind, that's when you make space for all this stuff that you've spent your life um, pushing aside. You make space for that to arise. Anybody have that experience in their practice? Yeah, I see heads nodding. Yeah, I too. And just, I don't know where I'm dragging up all this stuff from years ago, but there used to be a commercial. I think it was a radio commercial in the 90s, and it, it was for the Army National Guard, I think. And there were these two guys talking, I think they were high school seniors or college freshmen, and they were saying, you know, the only thing wrong with weekends is that they're two days too long. My jaw dropped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so they joined, they had nothing to, so they joined the Army National Guard, and I'm like, that's just sick. But that's like, I mean, <laughs> how, you know, but that's, that was sometimes, you know, people just, it just they they're terrified of having space. There's actually an Islamic art. If you're familiar with Islamic art, it's just really full. And there's a term, horror vacue, and it's uh, fear of a vacuum. So it's covered in all kinds of uh, art and curly cues, and the script is is so beautiful. Um, so that is. Um, that sometimes what people experience, they go, I'd rather be pleasant or unpleasant, but not neutral. Boredom is scarier than anything else. And so this practice also begins to turn us towards a place of, I wouldn't call it boredom, but wait, maybe it was called boredom at some time, that place of quiet, that place of ease, the place of where we don't have um, some kind of distraction going all the time. And so when you go on retreat or when you come to a place like this or do a day long and you, you, you take yourself out of your normal routine, you take away all those distractions, the TV, the shows, the devices, the whatever, the books, the writing, um, and then you're alone with the mind, which can be the most challenging of all. You have to be willing to let go let go, let go, let go, let go, let go. Just see where you are and stop. See where you are and stop. Quieting the mind. Because when we quiet the mind, we make space for what's really happening to arise. When we're busy figuring it out or in the future or the past, we make no, there's no space. 
There's no space for what's really there. You know, that still forest pool that Ajahn Chah also talks about. When we, when we create the quiet, when we quiet the mind and create this still forest pool, you'd be surprised at all the animals that come to drink. Because when you really learn to quiet the mind and let go of the, the stories, let go of the, the habitual patterns of thinking, just really make the effort to push those aside, what's really underneath arises, perhaps the fear or the old uh, concerns, the grief, the joy, the happiness that you haven't made space for. You're now making space for. The, um, the, uh, the third Zen patriarch says, stop talking and thinking. There is nothing, and there is nothing you'll not be able to know. So if you stop talking and thinking, there is nothing you will not be able to know. Because what begins to happen is you begin to tune into your inner wisdom. You begin to tune into that sense, that awareness of what's actually happening. You tune into the physical sensations, which are powerful and can tell you what's going on. You know, trauma, um, what is the, the, the book? Uh, the body keeps the score. You know, there's so much information in our bodies, you know, and you, you've each had that feeling where you're, that sense of, oh, this person isn't safe, or this place is not, not where I need to be, or, oh, this is absolutely the right thing to do. It's when we've gotten out of the chatter and we're really turning towards our action, our experience, and we're beginning to trust our wisdom, which is we're cultivating wisdom. We're making space for wisdom to arise. It's, it's not necessarily um, going to happen immediately, like your first time meditating, you're not going to all of a sudden go, ah, I got it, the intuition is strong in this one, or whatever. That's, that's, the force is strong with this one, I guess. I don't know why I'm quoting Star Wars. I haven't seen a Star Wars movie since the 70s. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, but you, you make space for what's actually there to arise. I, I used to say, when am I going to finally pay attention to my, my intuition? Because I would have these, oh, don't do that, Mary, don't do that, or do that, Mary, and my thinking, would, I would talk myself out of it, and then, and then, you know, the other side, I'd get to the other side and go, why didn't I pay attention to myself? Why didn't I pay attention to that gut feeling? But when you're first starting out, the mind is, um, can be diluted, that the habitual thinking is really strong, which is why we develop um, friendships on the path, which is why we are in community with others. We develop relationships with people we can trust, so we can bounce things off of them, with teachers, with, with um, cohorts in the Sangha, with our, uh, our wise friends, our Kalyanamita. Um, so we can say, hey, what do you think? And people can say, yeah, that makes sense. Or, no, you maybe want to think twice about that. 
So really, um, you begin to trust what's going on. And so you're operating from this inner wisdom, which, is, which arises from this place of quiet, which arises from this place of calm, like Hansen talked about. There's calm, there's contentment, there's creativity. When we're not driven by real fear or perceived fear. Most often it's the perceived fear. Now, what if? What if I don't get what I want? What if what I don't want happens? So we put that stuff aside and we learn to just be. We learn to be with that, that beginner's mind. What is this? What is this? What is this? What is this? I talked about Milarepa a few years ago, a few years, a few weeks ago. When I was talking, I gave the talk about the demons and he, his, um, his experience with the demons in the cave that he was living in. But there's another image of Milarepa um, where he is shown with his hand to his ear and he's listening to the song of truth. He's listening for the song of truth. What's really happening? Which is why sometimes you hear people who have a practice when something comes up or they have a decision to make or something to do, they go, I'm going to sit with this for a while. Not that they can um, divine the future, but to really drop below the waterline to connect with their inner wisdom that they've begin to that they've cultivated or trust with. And I have it's been a long journey for me, but I'm I have gotten to a place where I trust now. You know, and I no longer, mostly no longer fear-driven, talk myself out of stuff. You know, my I've told it a million times, my favorite example about this was you know, 20-something years ago when I was um, being hired for a job, an old boss of mine wanted to hire me and I walked into this place and I went, you do not want to work here. You do not want to work here. Red lights flashing, every fiber in my being screaming at me and I went, <laughs> and, I, and I took the job and I lasted three months. I would cry on my way to work every day. I hated it. I knew my inner wisdom absolutely new. But my craving to have a job said, no, this is the easy, this is easy. I don't have to look for a job. I saw her name. I called her up. She goes, I want you. And I'm like, boop. It's like, without recognizing that this was not the right job for me. It's all fear-based. Well, what if nobody else hires me? What if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? That's my, that's a particular example for me that's huge. People talk about red flags. You know? Do you? How many times you go? I shouldn't have ignored those red flags. I shouldn't have ignored those red flags. You were talking about The Shining earlier. There are a lot of red flags in that movie. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, and you're like screaming, "Get out!" You know that's what was so funny about the movie. Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out! I'm like, no, we're fine. So. Um, so it's really about letting go. Um, Gregory Kramer, who's a teacher, he talks about, what does he talk about? He talk, calls it PRO. There's so many acronyms, but it's great. So pause, relax, and open. So when your mind is going, you know, when you let go, just pause. 
just uh, easy peasy. But pause. How do you pause? How do you stop that mind? You're learning. You're training yourselves when you come when you do meditation practice. You're seeing the mind doing whatever it's doing, and you let go. You see yourself caught in tomorrow. You let go, and you come back, and you tune into your senses. You tune into the physical experiences that are present. You tune into um, the sensations. You tune into receiving what's actually happening. This is a quiet room for the most part. So there's not a lot of sensory uh, input. But whatever's there, you, you receive it. You don't, you don't go out grasping it, but you receive it. You receive the senses. You, you allow them to receive what's, what's being presented. Same with the mind. What's presented? So often we, we see what's being presented and then we jump on and take it for a ride based on our, our usual thought patterns. We just go, well, we just still taking it in this direction and that's taking it in this, and this says, no, stop. Get off and be with what's present. Does that thought bring up an unpleasant experience? Does it bring up a pleasant experience? Does it bring up nothing? And can you be with the nothing? Can you be with the neutral? Sometimes practice is like, um, there's just calm. But a lot of times, I don't know if you've ever had that, where your practice is calm, and then the voice goes, what am I doing wrong? Because a lot of times you're so used to it, especially when you're new to practice, the, 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 uh, the dramatic connections with the emotions that have been not addressed or looked at in so long that it feels like, I need to have this intense experience to have it be meaningful. But cultivating that calm and tranquility, that's one of the qualities, that's one of the factors of awakening, calm. Mindfulness, seeing clearly, the calm, the equanimity. This is again, the moving towards equanimity, being at ease with whatever's present, being balanced with whatever's present. And um, there's another piece of this that's thinking about um, this interconnectivity we have with all beings. That we are not um, we are not separate entities. I mean, relatively, it seems like we are, but we're so connected with each other. But we're like waves in the ocean. And this is a thing that Thich Nhat Hanh talks about. And I like to, um, when I'm working with people who are dying or have died in, in memorials, just this, he's written this beautiful thing about recognizing that we're like waves in the ocean. And then we just kind of come back into the water. So we're water and our individual waves arise and then they pass away. Um, but Thich Nhat Hanh always talks about if you, Look at this piece of paper. Don't just see the piece of paper. See the tree, see the rain, the sun, and see the soil, and see the logger, and the, the mill, and the, the truckers, and the, the people who packaged it, and going into staples, and buying it. And, you know, it's, it's, we don't, we're not discrete entities. We are absolutely connected. And, one of the things James talks about when he talks about this practice of being is 
when we're, you know, just being in the flow. It sounds kind of a woo-woo kind of a thing, but just being in the flow. Like I was talking about the tubing, you know, just being in that flow of the universe, if you want to think of it that way. Um, who is it? Rick Hansen talks about that in his neurodharma teachings. You know, it's, it's, it's just being with um, the flow of things. And here's a really interesting um, paragraph about uh, our, our interconnection with all beings. There's this book called The, um, the Lives of a Cell, and this man writes, um, the cells of our body are ecosystems more complex than Jamaica Bay in New York. A good case can be made for our non-existence as entities. We are shared, rented, and occupied. At the interior of our own cells, driving them, providing the oxidative energy that sends us out for the improvement of each shining day, are mitochondria. And in a strict sense, they are not ours. They turn out to be little separate creatures, replicating in their own fashion, privately, with their own DNA and RNA quite different from ours. Without them, we would not move a muscle, drum a finger, think a thought. So we've got all these cells, these ecosystems living inside of us. And then you think, and then we've got all the bacteria too, which is what's, you know, all this antibacterial stuff is actually quite damaging because we're destroying the things that are, we actually need. So we're not these separate organisms. There's such a, an interconnection that, that this being, helps us cultivate. We have this sense of wonder. We have this sense of gratitude. Um, it's really uh, that, I, that, that word contentment keeps, keeps coming up. So um, I think it's this, this being is not just letting go, but it's opening into this other way of um, existing. I don't want to say being in this other way of being, but it is another way of being. It's this this, this another level, this, the, there's a, an attunement that happens. It's like when you're connecting with other people, if you're really paying attention and, and really observant, you can get a sense of where other people are coming from, you can have a flavor, you know when to move forward, when to move back. Um, I think that is all part of this getting out of the head and really dropping into the body, really sensing what's going on. So those are my thoughts on being, and I'd love to hear any questions or comments or thoughts on that.